Amen. It's good being in the house of the Lord this morning again. Is that right? I always enjoy coming to church, up here especially, because I'm with my family. I enjoy going to church, period, everywhere, but I really enjoy going to places where I know I'm going to be fed. I mean, I just come with my bib on and my stomach's growling. Can't wait to get into the Word and see what God's got in store for us today. And I was thinking about we shouldn't just come hungry, but we should come with an appetite for God's Word. You know, a lot of times if we're just hungry, we'll eat anything. You ever went to the grocery store hungry? Yeah. Yeah, it's the wrong thing to do to go to the grocery store hungry because you'll have, you'll fill your buggy with everything because everything looks good. Is that right? Yeah. And uh, it's a bad thing to go through town when you're real hungry because you'll just pull in at something fast and convenient, not necessarily good for you. Amen. And if we do that too many times, it starts to show. <laughs> Come on, somebody witness for me. It starts to show that, uh, that we're putting more in than we're actually exerting out. Our appetite should actually match, our hunger should actually match our activity. Come on, somebody. Y'all know I'm telling you the truth. Our, our appetite, our hunger should match our activity. But a lot of times we will, pardon the phrase, glutton ourselves on things that are good, taste good, and maybe they're good for us. Man, I love some beans and potatoes with cold glass of sweet milk. But you know what? If I eat that and eat that and eat that and glutton myself and I never get up from the table or I never go out and exert myself, spend some energy moving and doing, amen, then I become, it begins to tell on me. <laughs> trying to say this in a nice way that everybody can still understand what I'm saying. We actually begin to expand. And it shows, amen, that we need more physical exercise. In other words, we need to be doing something other than just sitting at the table. Well, there's a gospel song from probably the 80s that says, My house is full, but my fields are empty. Who will go and work for me today? It seems all my children like to sit around my tables, but no one wants to work in my fields. Amen. I mean, that's, that's, that song ministers to me on the count of I wonder how many times I enjoy coming to this church, but what do I do with the Word I get every week? What do I do with it? Do I just eat it and become spiritually fat from it? Or do I actually go out and exercise it into the world? Amen. That's what we are being equipped to do. We're being equipped right here, Brother Justin, not just to be super Christians. I don't want to just be a super Christian. I want to be Christ-like. And Christ-like means that He went out and He healed the sick. He went out and ministered to the poor. He, that's, that's what He told John. When John said, Are you He or should we look for another? Jesus 
didn't give him a big long of credentials. He said, go tell him the poor have the gospel preached to them. That's my credential. I'm doing something. What did he tell his mother? I must be about my father's business. In other words, I got something I need to do. And I really need to be doing it. When everybody, even his closest family said, just stay with me, stay right here. He said, you don't understand. There's something I got to do. Amen. There's something we got to do, church. Every one of us. Nobody's exempt. God has called every one of us into this kingdom with purpose. Amen. And there's things that we have got to do in order to perform the kingdom. Amen. If we just have the kingdom inside these four walls, what good is it really? Come on. If you are born again, okay, if you are saved, born again, if you've been born into the kingdom of God and you know that you know that you know that Jesus lives inside your heart, amen, we can die and go to heaven. Is that right, somebody? We got our name on the roll. So what good is all that we're going through? If we just stay right here in these four walls and pray for each other and encourage each other and witness to each other and sing to each other and preach to each other, we're all going. (laughs) Am I making sense to anybody? The work is outside these four doors. So now this morning, not looking around at anybody, what have we done last week? Who did we witness to last week? Who did we invite to church last week? How many people did we literally pray for last week? I'm not talking about in your prayer time, in the closet, beside the bed or the recliner or wherever you pray. I'm talking about how many people did you take by the hand and lead them in prayer? The reason I say this is because God spoke to me last week. I think it was Wednesday. I was going to the bank from work to make a deposit at midday, around lunchtime. It might have been a little earlier. It might have been around 10 o'clock. But anyway, I was on my way to the bank, and uh, I got to the bank, and I started back, and it started raining. I mean, pouring rain. Just, pfft. y'all remember that? <laughs> Heavy rain Wednesday. Well, as I turned in, there was a little fella, probably... Younger than Justin. He's probably, he's just, he looked to me like he was my kid's age. Just a little boy, maybe 20 years old. And he is carrying groceries. And he didn't have a rain jacket. He didn't have an umbrella. You know, he, he got caught in a storm, unsuspected. So me, I, I see that. I can't pass that by. I whirl in beside of him, roll my window down, and I'm like, hey, man, you need a ride? He's terrified of me. <laughs> Apparently that don't happen anymore, you know. But, uh, and he's like, uh, and, and I says, look, it's raining. You're getting poured. You're, the rain's pouring on you. Just get in. I'll take you down to wherever. And uh, so he jumps in and he sits over way next to the window because he's terrified of me. And I start talking to him, you know, about uh, just about the weather and I can't believe it's raining like this. And, and how, where do you need to go? And he said, I just live right down at the Hardy's. You know, and I'm like, okay, I'll just drop you off at the Hardee's then. You can walk on home. Yeah, 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 that'll be fine, he said. And so I'm talking to him, trying to make him feel comfortable. 
You know, I don't want him to be afraid of me. I'm just wanting to help him out. I'm wanting to be a Christian. Just wanting to show God's love. I get him to the Hardee's and I drop him out. He shuts my door and you can tell he shuts my door and he's going to, you know. And I'm feeling so good about myself, Philip. I'm thinking, yeah, I was a Christian and the Lord just spoke to me. And he said, yeah, you showed him Christian love, but did you ever mention my name? I wanted to go back, but I was afraid he'd think I was really fanatical then. <laughs> so I didn't. I just swallowed my pill, that gospel, and said, never again, though. Never again, though. Some of those lessons we learn, we carry with us. Is that right? It's one thing to be a Christian, but it's another thing to talk about Christ. We should never let anybody get out of our sight without saying, God bless you in Jesus' name. Can, uh, do you know the Lord? I thought about this, uh, this old preacher, and I forgot his name, but he was over from the Tunnel Hill area, uh, East Georgia, Northeast Georgia. And uh, he was dying. And he, all he could do, I think he had a stroke, and all he could do was uh, when people would come to visit him, he, he, he lived for about a week in, at home. But when people would come to visit him, they'd walk up to him and they'd say, Hey, brother so-and-so. And he'd just start crying. Just start crying. And his wife would say, He wants to know, do you know the Lord? He wants to know, have you ever been born again? All he could do was cry. But he was still witnessing on his deathbed. He just wants to know, have you ever, been, have you ever met the Savior? Have you ever met the Redeemer? <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> I want to be like that. I, I want to be a witness for God. I want to use this for Him while I can. I want to use these for Him while I can. I want to uplift Him while I can. Because there may be a day that I ain't able. But I want to use everything I have to ask somebody, have you ever met Him do you know Him? I want to be transformed from the inside out. See, a lot of us, it seems like it's, it, 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 we're, we're satisfied with soul management instead of soul transformation. And I have a scripture I want to read in James. But we're getting too satisfied with soul management instead of soul transformation. Amen. When we manage our souls, then we just overcome a few habits. When we manage our souls, we learn how to dress right. We learn how to talk right. Come on, that's soul management. We learn to not go to certain places, not to consume certain things. That's soul management. And it needs to be managed. But Romans 12 said, we need to be transformed, not just managed but transformed, made new. Amen. <laughs> I want to be transformed from this person that I am into the person He is. Amen. I do. Let's go to um, James chapter 1 real quick. And from verse 1 
to verse 16, he's talking about trials and he's talking about temptations and he's talking about how we need to endure these and we need to overcome these and what we can do to do that. He says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We don't need to be double-minded. He's teaching us something in James chapter 1 right off the bat about what we need to become. But then in verse 16, there's a period. Do not err, my beloved brethren, period. That means he's stopping that thought right there. Okay? Verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, of his own will. Talking about God's own will. This is His will. No one forced Him to do it, but out of His love for me, out of His love for you, He begat us. He birthed us. <laughs> Amen. I remember Carrie and Carrie and Doug. Carrie especially. She was my first. And I loved her even though I'd never laid eyes on her. She would kick and I'd feel her little foot and I'd touch it. And I'd say, oh, there's her little foot. There she is, right there. Or you can feel her little elbow or sometimes her head. You know, and you say, oh, there she is, there she is. I loved her before I knew her. <laughs> and I birthed her out of love. Out of love, I wanted her. He wanted us. He begat us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. That means he separated us from every other thing that he made. We are His first fruits, not the cattle, not the creeping thing, not the fish, not the great whales. There's a lot of things bigger than us, but they're not better. Amen. There's some things that's probably even smarter than us, to be fair with you, but they're not created in His image. He chose us. He created us to be a kind of first fruits. Verse 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak, slow to wrath. I've heard it said a thousand times. That's why he gave us two ears to hear and one mouth. And I've said this a lot of times. It takes more of the grace of God to keep our mouth closed sometimes than it does to open it. Even if we think we have all knowledge in the area that we're wanting to talk about. <laughs> Is that right? For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. This morning, when Brother Matter comes out, more than likely he's going to preach a hard word. How many people agree with that? You can get mad at him and run off and talk about him and run his name down, but you know what? The wrath of God is not working any righteousness inside of you. I mean, the wrath of man is not working the righteousness of God. Just because you get mad and pitch a fit and run off and say negative things, that don't clear your conscience of that word you just heard. <laughs> Do you know why you're angry? You're either confused or you're guilty. And if you're confused, you need to pray and you need to seek counsel. And if you're guilty, you need to repent. There's no reason, none, that we should ever leave church mad and offended. You may think you've got a reason, 
Oh, and flesh wants to say, I got a list of reasons, but you ain't got a reason in heaven. There is no reason for it. We come to church to learn how to behave. We come to church to learn not only how to manage our soul, but how to be transformed. Amen. And if we're not being transformed, then we're like a kernel of popcorn. Okay? You ever wondered what makes a popcorn pop? As long as it's a kernel, it's no good to me. As long as it's a kernel of corn, it's actually an offense to me, ain't Pat? You know why? It's offensive. It offends me. I can put it in my mouth and chew and chew and chew. I can't get no flavor. I can't get no... It, it actually hurts my teeth. Could possibly break your teeth. You ever bit down on a kernel? That didn't pop? Yeah. But once it's transformed from the inside out, then I can get benefit from it. Oh, and every one of us want to say, I'm popcorn. No, a lot of us is just kernels. <laughs> You're just a kernel of corn. You're offensive, and you've not been transformed. You do nobody no good. Oh, you got a song, but your song don't minister to me. Oh, you've got a word, but your preaching does not convict me. Come on. Oh, I can pray, but your prayer doesn't change you. You, you, you. Our prayers should change us. Is that right? The reason that popcorn pops is because it's got moisture in there. Got every little kernel has got a little bit of moisture in there. And when you stick it in the microwave nowadays, I can remember when I was growing up, we actually had a skillet. But when that skillet would get hot and that moisture, it begins to condense. It begins to expand. It begins to turn to humidity. It begins to turn to, yeah, and it pushes. It begins to push. And, and, and how hard that outside is. That even my teeth... Can't break it open. Nothing I can do can break it open. But yet when the inside, when that water <sighs> begins to expand, when that Holy Ghost, I don't care how mean you are. I don't care how bitter and vile you are. I don't care what your past is and what you've done. I don't care how hard you are. When the Holy Ghost gets on the inside of you and the heat gets turned up, when the preaching's going on, or gospel singing's going on and it's glorifying God or maybe prayer starts happening all over the, the house. Amen. And, and anyway, when the Spirit starts moving, come on, in its many forms, when the Spirit starts moving and that Holy Ghost inside of there begins to start rising up and pushing out, brother, you will be transformed. You will be transformed. Now you can put that popcorn in the skillet and not turn the heat on, and it's just going to be a kernel of corn laying there hour after hour. <laughs> but when the heat is turned up and the spirit starts moving, that condensation, that water starts, that water vapor starts moving inside, it starts pushing and pressing. And change happens. Is that right? But he says. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of nonity. That means overflowing wickedness. We're flesh. We're corrupt. This is not going to inherit the kingdom. 
This is not who I am. This just gives me authority to operate here on earth. Amen. You can't see who I am. You know what? You can cut this arm off. Cut them both off. I'll still be Susie. Cut my legs off. I'll still be Susie. Because this is not who I am. This is just my vehicle to get me to where I need to go. The inside man needs to be transformed. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word. You know what that word engrafted means? Planted. The planted word of God. It's not just the word of God that's thrown out there. Every Sunday morning, the word of God is preached. It's being thrown out there. But it's got, to, it's got to land in some good ground that has been taken care of, that's been opened up and ready to receive that kernel. Amen? It's got to go down in there, in here. It's got to take root. I want to read another scripture. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Let me tell you what today's media, what today's world is doing. Today's world is trying to corrupt you. Today's world is trying to upset you. Today's world is trying to get you in an upsetness and get your wrath that we were just talking about built up against brother against brother, color against color, nationality against nationality. This is not the mind of God. All these people who think they're doing God a service down in Atlanta this morning and last night, that's not the will of God. Those people who's taking lives and thinking they're doing uh, their fellow brother a service, you're not because that is not the will of God. Okay? We've got to come apart from that and know the difference. And it is imperative in this day and this hour that we learn the mind and the will of God and how to be transformed and not conformed because this world's agenda is to conform you. I'm going to go a step further and say the government's agenda, I'm talking about from the top down, is to conform you. You know how they start? Influence. They paint you a picture of something very ugly. They tell you half-truths. And then they say this is acceptable behavior. And if you don't know the difference, you'll be carried away with it. And then what do you do? You teach your children how to be carried away with it. And you teach your neighbors how to be carried away with it. But God said, does anybody know what my name means anymore? Does anybody know what my name stands for anymore? Don't be conformed to this world. Don't allow this wrath to overtake you. Amen. That we were talking about in James. I flipped away from it. In James, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. That is not how you are being transformed. If you're angry, you're wrong. Oh, there's a righteous indignation for the Word of God. But what we're experiencing today is emotionalism. 
What we're experiencing today has nothing to do with God, but what did we talk about last Sunday? We're calling it God. We're building these idols and calling it God. Because nobody knows the will of God anymore. Nobody knows the mind of God anymore. Nobody's being taught what would Jesus do. <laughs> we're just taking off on a whim and calling it God. But Romans says, I don't want you conformed to this world, but I want you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing of your mind. That's a peaceful place. That's an expansion of the Holy Ghost. We say we feel with the Holy Ghost. Well, if we feel with the Holy Ghost, there should be some hardness breaking off of us and some soft stuff coming out. Is that right, somebody? There should be a transformation taking place. An obvious, visual transformation. An audio transformation. I should be able to hear a difference in your tone. I should be able to hear, not just that you speak Christianese, bless you brother, bless you sister, but I should be able to hear some mercy. I should be able to hear some compassion. And I should be able to hear some wisdom in the gospel. Amen. Jesus, when he was talking to the Pharisees in Matthew 5, he said in verse 21, 5 and 21, he said, Have you not heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill? Now he's talking to religious leaders, people who studied the Word of God, doctors of theology, and lawyers that debated the Word, understood the Word, and stood in line to tell you the Word. And explain it to you. He's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the Sadducees. He's talking to the Sanhedrin. Come on somebody. Get with me this morning for just a second. For just a second. We're going somewhere. And this is important. I believe that. He said, I know you've heard it taught and preached. Thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. We're talking about wrath and anger. We're talking about upsetness. Jesus said, But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Not just kill, but angry. I want to ask you a question. How many people this weekend did you see on TV? Hordes and masses of people. Do you think they were angry? How many of them do you think claim to be Christian? How many of them do you think claim to be religious of any affiliation? This is serious times. This is a serious word. This is sobering this morning. Because you need to know how to act. I need to know how to act when confronted. Yes, when I see injustice, the very first thing that I want to do is rise up. When Peter saw what he perceived to be, ain't Pat, an injustice, what did he do? He rose up and he pulled out a sword and he cut the, cut the man's ear off. And what did Jesus do? He picked that ear back up and he said, uh-uh, no. That's not the way we do it. Hmm. Hmm. How many of us wanted to get on social media and put our two cents in? 
How many of us? And I'm not. I'm just saying. I post stuff too. I, I mean, not a whole lot, but I do post stuff. I think there's a difference between being informed, amen, being informed and then giving my personal opinion, saying what I would do, want to do and what I should do and what I think and what I think and what, what does Jesus think? Amen? He said if you're angry with... But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause. Oh, but there is a cause. There is a cause. The very first thing we need to do is go to prayer. Always go to prayer. So many times. What did we talk about last Sunday? Last Sunday before any of this ever happened. Last Sunday we talked about holding. Remember the bird dog who saw the quail... Wanted to go to the quail, but the master said, hold. Hold. Stay right there. Don't move. Don't move. Even though it may be right, even though you know it's right there, and you know that you know that you know what it is, I said, stand still. Mm. When we see injustices, the very first thing we want to do is rise up. And the very first thing Satan will tell us to do is what? Up. Do something. Do something. Do something. Do something. But then in the back of our mind, we hear that little hold. Hold. You're angry. You don't even know what spirit you're of. You're mad. You don't even have all the facts. Oh, but I saw Fox News said, I saw CNN, I saw a WSB. You think they tell you everything? I am more and more and more believing <laughs> that the media is the tool of the enemy <laughs> than anything. Mm -hmm. Run it, run it, run it, run it. Put their spin on it. What they want you to see. What they want you to know. What they want you to hear. And we're eating this stuff up by the bucketfuls. And we're forming opinions that's outside the Word of God, that's outside of knowledge. And we're rising up with a, with a anger or a wrath. And what did Jesus tell the Pharisees, the spiritual leaders? He said, you're angry and you don't even have a cause. You think you better and you don't even know the Word. You want to be leaders and teachers of doctrine and yet you don't understand the Word yet. You don't understand me. You don't even know who I am. We've not been transformed. I'm afraid we're still colonels. This thing is winding down. It is getting so tight. So tight. Winding down to a conclusion. To a conc Jesus will wait only so long. And then He's coming back and nothing will prevent Him. Nothing will prevent Him. Your lack of discipline, your lack of getting in this Word, your lack of finding this kingdom will not prevent Him. He's waiting on us just like He stayed as Noah built the ark. That's what the Word said. He waited. He delayed while Noah built the ark. But there was a point in time when He said, Noah, it's time. Noah, it's time. How many... Got on board with him. I think the Bible said eight souls. Out of the world. Out of the world. 
when Jesus hung on the cross. How many of you think got on that ark? I don't know that there was very many convinced. I really don't. I tell you one I know that was convinced. I'm talking about our disciples and all. That man on the right side, hanging there beside of him, he was convinced. He said, remember me. I'm convinced. He got on board the ark. <laughs> the rest of them just watched fearfully. But he said, I have nothing to lose. How many of us is going to be so sold out? So sold out that we've got nothing to lose. That we'll just say, Lord, remember me. I need you. I need your will. I need to be transformed. This flesh is dying. This flesh is dying. He on the cross, he said, my flesh is dying. I'm not going to make it, but my soul is going to make it. I'm not going to make it, but my soul is going to make it. If we seek to save our lives, we're going to lose them. But if you just go ahead and lose yourself in Him, amen. If you just go ahead and just go ahead and take this kernel this morning, amen, and just place it in the fire, amen. When the word, when the word comes out and when the word begins to preach, amen, if you just go ahead and step over in the fire and say, I want to be transformed this morning. I don't want no anger. I don't want to be conformed to this world. I don't want nothing this world's doing or saying to affect me or to affect my judgment. You know, I knew a man one time, he wrote gospel music, and he said, I refuse to listen to anything else. I don't listen to any other genre, and I don't listen to gospel music a lot. He said, because I spend time with God, I do not want to be influenced by anything but the Holy Ghost. I don't want to be influenced by anything. How many of us this morning can raise our hands and say, my God, I, I realize that this world is corrupt and I realize this system is corrupt and I realize most churches don't even have a clue anymore and I can't be influenced by anything other than just the gospel. Amen. I need to be transformed from the inside out. I don't want wrath and malice in my heart. Amen. But I want to be changed. Amen. I've got to be changed. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. For whatsoever judgment you give, according to the Scripture, it shall be meted back to you. Amen. Oh. The past month, let's go back four weeks, what kind of judgment have we dealt out? All right, let's start with our family first. How have we talked to our kids and our spouse? That's judgment. That's judgment. You're judging them. You're either condemning them or you're uplifting them. You're either encouraging them or you're pushing them down. What kind of judgment have we dealt? All right, what about our coworkers? What about the people that used to be here in these pews? I can sit here and probably call off 20 different names of people that I can remember that did attend this church regularly since Brother Matter's been here. Can you think of 20 folk? I can probably name off at least 15 or 20 that's not here this Sunday morning. Are we just going to discard them? Are we just going to discard them and say, well, they had a choice. They could have come just like I come. That's judgment. <laughs> or are we going to be merciful? Do you think they might just need a phone call? Well, I've called and called. Well, when do we stop calling? When do we stop trying? When do we stop reaching? 
The Bible said that some would pull them right out of the fire, saving with mercy and compassion. Is that the Word of God? That doesn't sound like they said, well, I've called 15 times. I visited their house. They weren't there. Did my part. Have you? Have we done all? Seriously. You know what I believe, Brother Donald? I believe there's some folks that's not here this morning that loves God just as much as I do. But they're going through something. I believe there's some folk here that's missing this morning that's just as saved and just as called and just as fit for this kingdom as I am. But some situation, some circumstance has come up. Maybe they got confused, Sister Deborah. Maybe they heard something and got their feelings hurt. You don't baby people like that, but you comfort people like that. You go to them and you try again. And you try again. We want our church to grow. Can I tell you, there's going to be inflows and outflows. Inflows and outflows. Some is going to say, some is going to go. But some need help. I'm not here just for the ones that shout. I'm not here just for the ones that already know how to preach good sermons. I'm not here just for the ones that know how to pray long, beautiful prayers. I'm here to help somebody. Why are we here this morning? Are we just here to preach to one another? So I can show you how much Scripture I know? Or my understanding? Or am I here to actually try to help somebody? God Almighty, come on somebody. If we're really here to try to help somebody... And we realize that this service, pretty much everybody here is pretty much up to par. Then we take this message and we go out there and we fish. Jesus called his disciples, Brother Justin, fishers of men. I've never sat at home and caught a fish. I've never baited my hook on the couch and caught a fish. Mama, I had to go to the water. I had to go to the, re- to the river or to the creek or to the lake. God has called us to be fishers of men and we can't fish among ourselves any longer. I love this. God's already dealt with me. I carried something since Wednesday. Have you ever had the Lord speak to you and say, that was awesome. What you did, you really showed Him the love of God. Or just the love of a neighbor. Or maybe his grandma picked him up a time or two. Or maybe some strangers picked him up before. But did you mention me? Did you mention my name? Oh, he might remember your face, but will he remember my name? He might remember that blue pathfinder, but will he remember Jesus Christ? I don't know if God's cutting on y'all, but he's cutting on me. He's whittling me. He's letting me know that it's less of me and more of Him. Just when I think I've got it right, (laughs) He'll show me something wrong. Amen. That I need to fix. That I need transformed in my mind. Because in my mind, Mama, I thought I did the right thing. That was in my mind. Jesus let me know in His mind. You know, there's a scripture. Find it for me, Sister Kathy. There's a scripture that says, He will separate the thoughts and intents. The thoughts and intents. (laughs) See, I may think one thing and intend something else. Can you do that? Well, sure, I just told you I did it. (laughs) I thought I was doing something right. 
And I was. I mean, it wasn't wrong. But it wasn't Jesus either. Come on, do y'all, y'all, is this ministering to anybody this morning? We've got to, we got to whittle it on down. Wherefore, if thou, wherefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath an alt against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer your gift. Oh, there's no way we can do that. There's no way we can go back. I've done showed myself. I done said some stuff. I done acted a certain way. There's absolutely no way I can go back to that person and try to make it right. They won't forgive me. That's not what the Bible said. The Bible didn't say go and make them forgive you. The Bible said go and apologize. <laughs> oh, seriously? I got, but I was right. All right, you're right in your own eyes, but what does the Bible say? How right are you? And are we judging ourselves to ourselves? Or are we judging ourselves by the Word of God? And if we judge ourselves by the Word of God, if God judges, then we have no reason that another man should. Is that right? You got that scripture for me? For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 Hebrews 4 and 12. He's a discerner of the thoughts and tense. Amen. We need to write that scripture down. Hebrews 4 and 12. Are we taking notes this morning? Gosh, I've got so much in my Bible. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Let us labor. There's that word labor again. It's going right back to, are we just sitting here eating or are we laboring? Are we actually going out and doing something? Amen. I mean, we should, we talk about discipline and how that we're going to discipline ourselves and we don't do this anymore. We're going to discipline ourselves and we're going to do that and we're going to discipline ourselves. But do we actually discipline ourselves to actually do something for God? That doesn't benefit me. That does not benefit me. Let me tell you something. It is one of the great, greatest privileges ever to have this invitation for me personally to be able to stand right here in Brother Matter's service and him have a confidence in me to speak to you guys. That I know y'all know what I'm talking about and you can amen me. I feel that feedback. That is such a privilege for me. But do you know what's hard? Going someplace else where they don't appreciate me. Where they don't really want me to say anything. And the Holy Ghost move on me. You have no idea how many churches that they hadn't really throwed me out. <sighs> But they stand up behind me and they say, these older women need to teach these younger women how to behave themselves. That's a real thing today. That's a real thing for me. 
It's a labor. This is easy. This is, this is glorious. That is laborious. <laughs> a little different. It's laborious. It's a labor. To do something that goes against flesh is a labor. How often do we push against the grain to do something for God where there's absolutely no benefit, no congratulations, no pats on the back? That's what I'm talking about this morning. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into this rest. There's a rest coming. There's a rest in God. There's a kingdom. There's a position in the kingdom. But if we don't labor to get to it, if we're just baiting our hook and casting inside these four walls, we're not catching anything. We've not pressed yet, Justin. We've not labored to enter into this rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. You know what he's calling that? Easy peasy stuff? Unbelief. The same as the unbeliever. The same as the unbeliever. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing. Do you know why he pierces? He, gets, he goes down deep and finds some good ground to plant that seed, to plant that kernel. Amen. So it can be transformed into something glorious, into something He can use. Amen. So that whenever all the world is raging, oh, we've sung about this for 20 or 30 years, but it's always personal. When the storm of life is raging, stand by me. But that song isn't really talking about the storm going on in Atlanta, the storm going on in Dallas, the storm going on in Louisiana, the storm going on in Missouri, the storm going on in New York. The storm going on in Florida where all kind of terrible things is happening in Florida. It's talking about us personally. Because everything has to be personal. Is that right? We make everything. I mean, if I'm not going through a storm myself, then really there's no storm raging. That's right. But what did Jesus say? He said, watch and pray. We don't even know how to pray or what to pray towards if we're not watching, if we're not looking, if we're not listening. We're certainly not being transformed. We're being conformed. We're being conformed. Because what happens is we pray about our situation, what's going on in our lives. Come on. That's right. What's going on inside of us. And all the world is raging. We worry about what's going on, what the devil's doing to us, and our kids and our grandkids are being taken captive by the enemy at his will because we're so concerned with us. And we've got such an anger going on inside of us about what's happening to us. But God's saying, I need you to broaden your horizons. I need you to stop uh, looking at self so much, and I need you to reach out and labor. I need you to reach out, amen, and go beyond these four walls. I need you to be merciful. I need you to be kind. I need you to offer help. I need you to be charitable. I need you to mention my name. I need you to not be conformed to this world. We've got to wake up and shake ourselves. Do you know what happened to Samson? He was conformed. He got his hair cut. 
He got himself a little haircut. He looked just like everybody else. And you know what happened? While he was asleep, at rest, in what he thought was okay, the enemy was sneaking in. The enemy was sneaking in. Samson, so many times in that, that little scripture in Judges, had rose up and shook himself. And everything was all right. How many times do we have to willfully disobey the Spirit of God before our power is gone? How many times do we have to willfully, willfully, I'm not talking about going out and just, you know, having a good time, partying, getting drunk. I'm not talking about that kind of junk. We know better than that. Willfully disobeying the Spirit of God when He speaks to you in a low, small, still voice and says, will you do this? And nobody's going to know about it. Will you do this? Even though nobody's going to know your name, remember your name. How many times do we have to willfully, oh, here's a good one, forsake the assembly of God? When the Bible clearly says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as some have. But, yeah, those buts is what's got us in trouble. We have erected idols and called them God. We try to make God fit into our little popcorn shell. We try to pack Him in there when He's saying, let me out. Is that right? And only when the heat is on do we experience that burst of transformation. Amen. All this is tying together. It's coming together. Last verse. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. That little kernel of corn, all tightly packed. Something great old big inside of there, but that shell has it bound. That hardness has it bound. What is the world trying to get you to do today? Become hard. Become hard. Become angry. Become disgruntled. Take action. Up. Do something. Do something. Do something and make it look peaceful. Can I tell you, if all them people had not been down there acting the way they were acting, them five police officers would still be alive today, more than likely. They were called to protect the crowd because the crowd was doing something in the name of peace. We've got to have eyes that see and ears that hear. And we've got to be able to discern what the mind of God is. Yes, we have a right to assemble. But is it the mind of God? I want my assembly to be right here. I want my assembly to be right here. In the house of God. Learning the will of God. Learning the mind of God. I don't want it to be in anger. I don't want it to be in hatred. What did we just, just, just read? Go back. You say, Susie, you're going back to James a lot. We need to go back. Go back. Go back. Go back. Go back until we get it. What did he, what did, what did he say? What did Paul say? I will continue. I will continue until that thing be birthed in you again. Again. Continue. Continue to reach. Continue to reach. Wherefore, my beloved, verse 19, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. 
slow to wrath. It is so important. And then I'm going to hang, change, let somebody else say, do whatever they're feeling led. Amen. Until Brother Metter comes out. It is so important this morning that we understand the mind and the will of God for this hour. For this hour. It could be your life next. And you could be saying, oh, I'm doing it in the name of Jesus. And then when you get to heaven, he's going to say, you know what? There's a lot of folks that did a lot of things in my name that I didn't give the green light to, that I didn't give the go-ahead. You lost your life foolishly because it was not of me. You get no reward because it was not of me. You endangered your family and it wasn't because of me. We've got to know this thing's getting tighter and more serious. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. All the anger in the world is not going to change God's mind. All the righteous indignation that you think you have for doing what's right isn't going to change God's plan. And it doesn't bring correctness to a wicked and perverse generation. You're not going to convince the government of anything. Mm -mm. <laughs> no, not the government we have right now. They're inciting some things. They're picking you out. And we, like sheep that have gone astray, is just running to this stuff. Running to this stuff. Is that right? Running to it blindly. But we need somebody to stand up and say, Stop. Hold. The Spirit of God is saying, Hold your ground. Stand still. Don't be drug into a bunch of mass confusion. Don't be drug into anger against your brother without a cause. Without a cause. Without a cause. You know what God considers a cause? His cause. Not your cause. Not your agenda. Not what you think is right. But what God thinks is right. Amen. What God is calling us to do. Don't be angry without a cause. If you're going to be angry, be angry at the devil. If you're going to be angry, be angry at sin. And you know what? If you're going to be angry, be angry at ignorance. I love, I can't remember if it's Ravi Zachariah or somebody has a, a, has a program and the intro to his program is let my people think. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Not let my people go, but let my people think. There's nothing wrong with coming to church and learning something. Amen. So that we can grow in grace. So that we can be transformed from that hard kernel that's not, not digestible, it's not eatable, it's a fence in my mouth to that glorious popcorn full of butter that I can consume and it's so good. Amen. It's digestible. It's good. But we've become hard. And this world is trying to conform us, trying to pull us together into hardness, into hardship, and into anger, and bitterness, and wrath. And God's Word clearly says, steer clear of that. 
Steer clear of it because when you are angry with your brother without a cause, you yourself become in danger to judgment because you are giving out judgment. And whatever judgment you give out, you meet. One more. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, overflowing wickedness, and receive with meekness the engrafted, implanted, piercing word, which is able to... Anybody know what the rest of that is? Save your soul. Save your soul. <laughs> this old soul man, he's in need of a salvation. Amen. He's in need of a redemption. He's in need of a transformation. That old hardness, that old hard... You know what happens whenever that popcorn pops? That kernel is still there. Little bits and pieces... But I can take my teeth and I can grind it up. Just like grist. I can take that little thing that was so offensive to me in the beginning. And after that water begins to expand. And after that heat is applied. And that water pushes against that kernel. That thing I could not break from the outside in. Suddenly from the inside out bursts open. And it is transformed. And then all of a sudden I can even take the kernel. Y'all ever had that, you know, you eat popcorn? And after you've ate the popcorn, an hour later, you'll... There's that little kernel. You can still grind that up. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Every one of you, I see your mouths moving. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You can even grind that little hard kernel up. You know why? Because it has been transformed. The whole kernel has been transformed. I want to be transformed by the Word of God this morning. I do not want to get caught up in this bitterness, this anger, this wrath that's going on. And it's important that we realize that that's what's going on. That's what's going on. Amen. And we need to separate ourselves, pull ourselves aside, find the mind and the will of God, what we should do for this day, and go out and shine a gospel light. Go out and shine a gospel light. Not inside the church. We're not fishing in these four walls. But we're going outside this church to fish. We're going outside next week. And we're going to be a witness in Jesus' name. We're going outside the four walls. And we're going to get on our cell phones. And we're going to call some folks. We're going to call some folks. And we're going to say, is there anything I can do to help you? Can I encourage you? Let me come and get you. Pick you up for church if necessary. Come on. When do we give up on folk? Never. 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 Somebody didn't give up on me. Somebody had to fish for me a couple of times. Come on, anybody ever have to fish for you a time or two? Somebody had to go back and reach for me and turn me around. Even after they put me in the right pond, I was still swimming in all kinds of directions. Just crazy stuff. Amen. But God is wanting to transform us this morning. And I'm wanting to be transformed. Amen. Glory to God. I feel wonderful this morning. I feel like the Lord has just opened us up to some things and we're going to receive this word this morning and we're going to be transformed from the inside out and we're not going to take part in the filthiness of this world and what the devil is trying to pull us into is a trap but that trap has been sprung this morning, Brother Justin. I believe that. I believe that trap has been exposed. Amen. And we're not going to be caught in it. Brother Justin, you want to come on and say something for the Lord? Oh, you 
glad to be in the house of God, just thanking and praising for what He has done. You know, just got much to say this morning, just been eating, I guess. And when you've been out last week and coming in and stuff, and it's, it's just good to be in the house of God. It's good, it's good to be where the truth is being revealed. You know, it's whatever, this truth being revealed. Every week you come into the house of God, is always something different God's revealing. Something else that you can go on and, and eat on all week long. It ain't... It don't get stale. It don't get old. It, you're just constantly eating and eating and eating. And as you eat, it, it's more stuff revealed to you as, as it goes on. And, you know, I just thank God that, you know, we are into a place that God has revealed in a, a realm that it's meant to be revealed 2,000 years ago, but yet now we're just getting the, the grasp of it and an understanding of it. But it, it's so many people that's not understanding the kingdom and not really not they not understanding They just don't want to understand it. They don't want the knowledge. They don't want the responsibility of the of the kingdom because as you accept this kingdom it comes with responsibility it ain't just oh I'm going to take the kingdom as an onslaught and go on with my life no it ain't that if you take the kingdom it, and you look back you ain't fit for it no more then you're outside looking in you know I don't want to be the, the ones that look that tastes of something so good and then can't go into it you know I'll think about Joshua you know they they espied that land. They had spies and they said, hey, this land is great. Big grapes. All this nice stuff. But yet, they saw the kingdom. They saw something so great. But yet, they couldn't possess it because their mind, the carnal mind, got involved. If you let this carnal mind get involved with this kingdom, it will throw you out of it. And then you'll be running around in the wilderness for 40 plus years just wandering and then never, get, never partake of it. Never understand it. And I don't want to be the one that is this. That can, we see in the kingdom. We, ta- we even get bits of the kingdom. Bits of that little, the little the big grape. We're getting little pieces of the grape. The little pieces of the, of the milk and honey. We're getting bits and pieces of it. But we ain't got the fullness of it yet. But I tell you, no pastor was talking about it yesterday. He feels something so great. It's going to take place. And, you know, and I think about all this flooding that's going on. And he says something back, I think, in the 90s that God revealed to him about if when China gets flooded like it's doing right now, we are so close to an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And you look at China now. They're getting flooded now. They just got flooded on two a week ago. And now this type of that just hit, they're getting flooded again. The worst floods they ever seen. I mean, things is... And I believe we're right there at the threshold of a of not a great move of God. I don't want to see a, a I want to see the kingdom. It's something different. You know, we can have a great move of God, but it won't last. You know, back in the sixties and forties, they had a great move of God, but it didn't last because it wasn't the kingdom. This kingdom is something that's going to take us further in to a move of God. That I want to grab hold and and take hold of it because this generation, you look around and see the the things that's taking place is all a sign of a great kingdom is taking place. You know, you've seen the bombing and the and the hate and the bitterness and like you said, it's something that's fitting apart. The moisture is in the fire right now. Something's fitting apart. When it's pop, they're gonna see, hey, this people is different. They don't have the bitterness as the as the church think we got. You know, we the 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 sinners or the people out there, if you want to call it, they think church folks has got is so they got it, but yet they get so bitter and haters. I don't want to be that. I want to be that loving of Christ that he had. Christ, you know, at times, you yeah, he, he really struck and he really come down hard. He come down hard with love. That's what we've got to get. We can't let them run over us. But yet we come with a love and a compassion that would turn, turn, turn them around. And they realize that we do have that kingdom. The fullness of dominion, Chilp. 
I just thank Him this morning, Pastor. Well, hallelujah. How many of you are glad to be in the house of the Lord today? I want you to, if you can stand, stand. Let's go to prayer. And I want us to ask God to give us understanding. You know, the Bible talks about when you get, get wisdom. Because wisdom's precious. Wisdom's precious. And the wisdom and understanding of God's Word is very precious. But it comes by the Spirit. There's nothing in your natural man that will understand the things of God. Nothing. You've got to have the Spirit of God to understand the things of God because they're spiritually written and they've got to be spiritually discerned. Amen? So, and there's a lot of preaching, there's a lot of teaching, there's a lot of books been written, but it's all been written in the carnal mind. It's all been written in the, the you take the book of, the Revel, of Revelation. There's probably been more books written on that one book. And people still don't know what it's talking about. Because it's all been man's opinion. All been man's doctrine. All been man's theology. And we need understanding. And that's what I'm asking God for is understanding. Because I'm going to possess this Christ. Y'all hear me? I'm going to possess it. I got to. I was on my knees praying the other day. I said, Lord, I said, all my life I've, I've chased this. I've seen it. I've chased it, now that you're revealing it to me. I gotta have it. Ain't nothing else important to me. I gotta have him. I gotta know him. In the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. Amen. And that's where God's trying to take us. Because if you suffer with him, you're gonna reign with him. You ain't gonna get no power any other way. And comes to power in God comes through sufferings. The true power. I ain't just talking about power for miracles. I'm talking about power to live holy, power to live clean, power to walk upright with God, power to become sons of God. That comes through sufferings because sufferings humble you. <laughs> sufferings humble you. Amen. So let's ask God to open our understanding and give us direction today. Ula shakre sukre ura spandrebe shakro ora. For even a spirit of fasting of seven days shall follow me, my son. If thou shalt come in in the evening and come aside and search for me diligently and study my word and go into prayer and push aside the pressures and the forces of this world and that that so clouds and troubles thy mind. And the upsetness and upheaval that brews in thy home, then I, God, shall visit thee in a And I shall take thee beyond that that I had when I first saved thy soul and ignited thee with the flame of my spirit. I shall take thee into a depth of my word and a working of my spirit that you've never known. The power of deliverance shall begin to rise in thy spirit. And I shall not only witness of my glory, that I shall not only witness of my goodness and my salvation, but I, God, shall impart unto thee the anointing and the gift of deliverance, that you will be able to set the captive free. And my word and my spirit shall overshadow 
and in, and ingraining and indwelling, a twisting together of my word and my spirit shall take a life soul in a realm that I've never known. But this is the day of a visitation and an awakening and a stirring and a moving of my spirit. For I, God, prepare my people for a mighty visitation. I prepare thee to be baptized uh, into the death of the Christ. Uh, for this is a day that carnality must die. And I, God, open a door. If thou shalt enter in, great shall be the working of my word and my spirit in thy life. For I, God, have spoken it, and none shall hinder. Oh, hallelujah. Glory. Let's talk to the Lord. Man, I feel his nature in this place today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you and I ask for your mercy. I ask for your grace. I ask for your goodness. I ask for your understanding. Take the scales from our eyes. Take the dullness from our ears. And take the hardness. God, so many things in life puts hardness. So many things in this world, God, puts hardness in our spirits and we harden ourselves. God, to all our hearts can't have compassion and can't understand. Let it be, Lord, that thy mercy and thy grace overshadow us. Give us of thy word and the working of thy spirit. God, you've been talking to us this morning. You've been talking to us, Lord. Trying to get us to realize, Lord, that we can't conform. You told us, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. God, we've got to have this mind renewed. This carnal mind's got to die. This spirit man's got to live. For you said to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Let us find your word and your will. Give us of your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Won't you give the Lord a good praise? Man, I feel him here today. I do. I feel him in such a great way. You can go ahead and be seated. I'm excited. Hallelujah. I'm excited what God's doing, what He's bringing forth, how He's revealing Himself. Because if all I'm going to go do is shout and sing and have a good time in the Lord, and then nothing's going to change in me, and I'm not going to have any growth. I'm, what's the point? I mean, what's the point? I want something to happen in me. I want God to reveal Himself. Hallelujah. I want God to reveal Himself. And I've spent this last week, good part of my time in prayer and study of the Word. And, you know, we're trying to see if we can get the business started up here. But I told God, I said, I don't even care. I don't even care. And I get up in the morning, I'm usually up by 6, 6.30. And I usually just meditate on the Lord and reach out to Him. And I feel all these pressures of finances and pressures to do something. And I told the Lord, I said, I ain't doing nothing. till I've prayed, I've studied that Word, I've meditated on the Lord. And most of the time it's been at least noon before I'd even do anything toward the business. Then I'd come back to the church here at night and come back to the trailer and just study and pray and meditate on on care. I don't care. The Bible says if you lose your soul, 
What's it matter the possessions you got? What's it matter? Think of one thing important to me, and that's this kingdom. It's possessing it and showing people how to get a hold of it. And that's what I'm trying to do. And if, you know, I I don't offend upset people, and I don't offend, uh, you know, preach to. But I know what this word says, and I know what God's revealing in me. And I ain't got no choice. This is what God's called me to do. You know, uh, I know my diplomatic skills ain't the best in the world. And there's things that I have to talk to with my wife. She said, well, why don't you approach it like this? Because she's got more diplomatic skills than I do. I said, well, I said, sometimes, you know, sometimes, and then sometimes I just, you know, Paul said, I might be rude in speech, <laughs> but not in knowledge. Amen. I'm not ignorant in the knowledge of the Word of God. Now, you may not like my speech and the way I bring it across sometimes. But Paul said, I might be rude in speech. And Paul was highly educated. Well, y'all realize that or not, Paul was a very well-to-do, wealthy man. And a member of the Sanhedrin court sat at the feet of one of the greatest scholars that there was in the Word at that time, Gamaliel. Raised up under him, taught him the Word of God, taught him the law. When Paul testified, he said, I was blameless according to that law. He knew that law. His righteousness was in the law. But when God changed him, <laughs> all that word that he had came alive by the Spirit. There's a lot we've been taught in the natural that's fixing to come alive by the Spirit. Because I'm going to tell you something, the letter killeth. That Spirit will make you alive. Amen. How many of you know that Spirit will make you alive? Glory. And I've got to, I tell you what, if y'all will take these today and y'all will study these, God will be understanding to a lot of things. These notes, did you hand them out? Okay. But I may not get into them. In, you know, I don't ever get into these study notes exactly like God gives them to me or like I do when I'm, I'm studying. But if you'll take them and study them, because there's hours of prayer that goes into these. And it will open your understanding to where God's going to take us. Because God's taking the people somewhere. You know, I went, to, went over to Victory Hall last night. Brother Pope was preaching over there. and I got there deliberately late. And I don't, I don't never like to go to church late. But if I go to Brother Pope's services and he ain't preaching or got the mic, he'll just walk over and say, here, take service. I don't want to do that sometimes. I just want to hear preaching sometimes. Because I don't get to hear preaching much, says Susie. <laughs> sometimes I just want to hear somebody expound on the Word. By the time I got there, they didn't have no music. And brother, about 8.30, Brother Pope was winding down. They started at 7.30, 8.30. He was winding, starting to wind down. And so he, a uh, little sister called me up there to testify for Brother Pope was through. And I started exhorting on some things. i got to have this kingdom. But I remember right here in this church, and it's what God began to speak to me about yesterday evening, and God been dealing with me several days, but the word of the Lord spoke to my heart last night out of Joel about gathering the congregation together. Sanctifying, he, he said, assemble. And what did he want them to assemble for? Prayer, seeking God.
and it's time to pray. I told my son, my wife the other day, I said, I'm fixing to challenge preachers, especially pastors, to go to prayer every day. Because I know pastors and I know preachers, most of them don't study or pray unless they got to preach that night. <laughs> you said what you want to. I know how they operate. And if you catch one of them off guard, well, I don't want to preach. I ain't had time to study. Well, your life ought to be steady. You ought to be in prayer daily. And that's where I'm trying to get to the place that I give myself continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word like the apostles did. And, that's, that, and I'm just about there. May not have a dime in my pocket, but I'm going to get to where I can continually give myself to prayer. And whatever the Lord needs me to have, I guess. Says Pat, I may just have to look at you and say, "Would you go down to the creek and throw your line in and pull the fish out? And first fish you get, reach in there and get that water hundred dollar bills and come back and pay mine your taxes." <laughs> that's the kind of God will serve, and that's the reality God's taking us into. Whether y'all want to believe it or not, I remember God when I done that. Seven, eight day teaching here last September. God spoke on a Saturday night in a prophecy about how He's going to start supernaturally providing for His people. And there have been several times since then I've uh, put on a pair of slacks or and reached in pocket and found twenty, thirty, forty dollars. I used to do it when I was on the evangelistic field. I'd start to get a suit out of the closet in the trailer, put it on. And the Lord speak to me, said, "Put that suit on." I put it on. And I'd reach in the coat pocket and there'd be fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty dollars and. Y'all don't know tent preachers, man. We don't leave money nowhere. <laughs> we got to have every dime we get. <laughs> and God's done that. I remember a man testifying years ago. I went to church with him. And uh, he said that he got his bank statement and he opened it. And there was $5,000 more in his account than what he knew he had deposited. And he went to the bank. I mean, went in there. And showed him the bank statement. They pulled it around. Said, there it is right there. There was 5000 Ain't a mistake. She run it. Run the numbers on it. Run everything. Said, no ma'am. No sir. That's your money. He said, I didn't put that money in there. He said, somebody did. $5,000 got deposited into his account. And he had to have it to pay a, pay a bill. God moved for him like that. Is anything too hard for God? No. But see, we'll talk about that kind of God. We'll sing about him. But we don't believe He'll be God to us. It's time to get to the place we can believe Him to be God. Amen. Amen. Believe Him to be God. That whatever we need, God's going to provide it somehow. If we got to go fishing. <laughs> Which ain't going to, like Sister Sue said, you ain't going to catch that fish sitting home on the couch. <laughs> he told Peter, he said, you go down to sea. You cast your line in, first fish you pull out there. He said, you reach his mouth and you get that money. You go pay mine in your tribute. It's taxes. So we ain't even supposed to pay taxes. But lest we offend them, let's take care of it. Amen. I love the Lord today. Y'all appreciate Him? I want to go to Romans, the sixth chapter. And like I said, I don't know how far God will take me. Uh, but the Lord has really dealt with my spirit on this this week. And, but I was telling them last night at Victory Hall. I said, I remember the service at the church where God spoke and said He's going to put LJ and Carter K. George on the map. Any of y'all remember that? 
Y'all remember the spirit that flooded through here like electricity? Y'all remember how that spirit bore witness to that? Everything just hit and everybody felt the witness of it. And I said, but God told me that's going to happen in prayer. And I said, me coming up here and preaching, praying one day a week ain't going to get the job done. And every, every night I'm here, I'm going to be at this church. And I'm going to be praying, seeking the face of God. And I've got to be out of town two or three days next week when I get back. And I ain't telling y'all y'all got to come. But I'm coming to this church and I'm setting my heart to seek the face of God. I ain't coming to pray no 30 minutes. I ain't coming to pray no hour. I'm coming to get in prayer, seek the face of God. And I've heard at 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the morning, if I get me a blanket and fiddle and spend the night in the altar, I don't care. we got to have something. Yes. It's now or never. Because our country's fixing to go down the tubes. It's fixing to go down the tubes, Sister Pat. And here we are. Lift up your eyes and look. Don't tell me four months and then comes the harvest. The harvest is ripe. There are people out there bound by the devil, needs deliverance, needs a word of truth, needs something to set them free. And music and shouting and praising God ain't going to get the job done. There's got to be a word preached and anointing the deliverance overshadow somebody. So don't tell me four months and then comes the harvest. Because I'll tell you, the harvest right now is ripe. We see, you see people bound every day. Every one of you see people bound every day. You got loved ones bound. You got relatives bound. You got people you go to church with or used to go to church with. They're bound. And you can't do one thing to help them. Ooh, that was a bad statement, wasn't it? We pray and we talk. We pray and we talk. We pray and we talk. Nothing changes. And I know there's some things up to the people. But I'm going to tell you, you just meet somebody on the street and start talking to them, and they're bound. You know they're bound. We're afraid to lay hands on them. We're afraid to tell them God will deliver We're afraid to tell them, throw your hands up and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and he'll change your life. He'll destroy that yoke off of you. We're afraid to do that on the street. We're afraid to do that. My God, we won't hardly do it inside the walls of the church. And we sure don't want to do it out because we're afraid what somebody will think of us. Let them think of me what they will. They don't like me no how. <laughs> Just Susie, the ones you ain't been thrown out of, I probably have. <laughs> I heard her say there are a lot of churches that ain't quite thrown her out of yet, but... I hear camp meetings and revivals all the time. My name ain't never on the roster. You know something? I don't really care. Because when I get this kingdom, God's going to bring them people right here. God's going to bring them people that need deliverance right here. And God's going to set them free. And this word's fixing to go out in the streets. I've told y'all for years, you can't bind the word of God inside four walls. Because the move of God ain't here, it's out there. The move of God's out there. If you ain't going to go out and get them, you ain't never going to get them in here. That's the reason I take them tents and go out there. Because I could put them tents up and I could preach. There'd be people pull up outside them tents, would never get out and walk in. I've had people come to me and say, we sat on our front porch a mile away for the last week and a half, two weeks, and listen, you preach, and we finally come down here. See if God was what you said he was. 
And they'd show up at the tents and a lot of them, they've been healed and delivered. Their lives have been changed. But I was in, uh, just outside of Iuka, Mississippi in 99. And a man asked me, he said, if I put a tent up, he said, will you come preach? Well, I didn't know him. I had met him, but the guy that's going to lay bar a tent, I knew him and I asked him. I said, is he? He said, oh, yeah, he's good. He's, he's straight. I said, okay. I said, where's he going to put the tent up? He said, in his front yard. I said, okay. And he lived outside the city limits. You had to go down the dirt road, cross the railroad track, and back out in the woods about a quarter of a mile. And he had a big front yard, and that's where he put that tent up. And I went in there and started praying, fasting, seeking God, and preaching the Word. And I'm going to tell you something about three nights. That little tent wouldn't see about 75, 80 people. About three nights, we was running 140, 150 people. I had more people sitting on hood of cars outside the tent than I had under the tent. And I went a week, 10 days, and, and I was debating, you know, whether to close it out or... Because I like to leave people on spiritual high. <laughs> and... Little brother that I knew, he come around there as mama pastor of the church about 15 miles up the road. He said, uh, Mama told me to come around here and tell you if you close this meeting out, you're crazy. I said, Why is that? He said, You don't know them people out there sitting on hoods of them cars. He said, I've been raised around them. He said, You got alcoholics, drug addicts, prostitutes, whoremongers, drug dealers. He said, you got the worst of the worst out there. And he said, he said you're, you're, you're going out there and minister to him. said, God's changing lives. He said, God's healing, God's delivering, God's setting people free. Hallelujah. So that's why I, I went out there. You hear me? I went out there to get them. Go get them. The Bible said, go get them, compel them to come in. Go get them, take them by force. Go get them, lay something on them, put something on them that's going to move them to come to the house of God. Are y'all with me? I, God, we, people have sat inside four walls and shouted and taught in tongues and prophesied to one another and laid hands on one another while the world's going to hell. It's time to get up and be about the Father's business. Not just tell somebody about how many times have we start testifying to somebody and witness somebody and they get all broken and start crying and, and we tell them about Jesus the next thing out of our mouth. Well, come church. Why come to church? He right here. <laughs> Lay hands on them. Remit them sins. Drive that yoke off of them. Take a hold of them by the force of the Holy Ghost and put something in their life that will compel them to change and want someone want to be a part of what they feel. Because people are looking for something. One thing about Sister Angela Abraham and her testimony, I don't know if y'all ever heard it or not, but I remember her testifying years and years ago. When she first got out of jail, she come to my tent meeting in Savannah, Georgia. I believe it was 88. She come to my tent meeting. She hadn't been serving God about a year. And this one thing always stood out to me. She said, I was bound, but I didn't want to be bound. But I didn't know how to get free. You know there's people bound that don't want to be bound but they don't know how to get free. They don't know where to go to get free. And they go to church and all we're going to do is sing them and shout them and jerk them and shake them. Got to be some deliverance. Bible talks about in Joel, the second chapter, I think it's the last verse, and whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered or saved. 
For in Mount Zion, that's the church, and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance. Where's the church of deliverance? Where's the church of deliverance? My God, we've got so caught up in our own lives and we're living our lives through ourselves and we're trying to get God to accept it. God ain't accepting your life. You hear me? It's time to lose your life. It's time to lose your life for His sake. You don't lose your life for His sake, you ain't never going to find life. I'm trying to lose my life for His sake because I want life. I want peace. I want joy. I want the power of the gospel living in here. I want the power of this Christ. If it comes to knowing Him in the fellowship of His sufferings, to get the power of His resurrection, then that's what I'm after. I've got to have this. Amen. You've got to have this whether you realize it or not. You can come in here and listen to me preach from now till Jesus comes and it ain't doing no good if you don't put some action in what you get. Amen. You can put two and two together and get four. And then you can put two and two together and try to get six. And that's what they call insanity. <laughs> Doing the same old thing over and over again trying to get different results. You ain't going to get different results. You keep adding two and two, you're going to keep getting four. You keep doing the same things you're doing, you're going to keep living just like you're living. Amen. You don't increase your prayer. You don't increase your dedication. You don't let God increase your hunger, your thirst. You don't do something, put your hand to the plow and possess this kingdom. You're going to stay just like you are. Because let me tell you something. God ain't going to change you till he sees a change in you that you got a desire for something. Amen. Do you have a desire for something today? Am I wasting my time there or am I getting somewhere? Hallelujah. I said, am I getting somewhere? Glory. If I'm just spinning my wheels, I'll stop and put this thing in four-wheel drive. <laughs> and we'll start going somewhere. I used to tell them I was under the tent and I'd be preaching. And I didn't feel like I was getting nowhere and I'd just stop for a minute. And i say, y'all give me just a minute. I said, I'm fixing to pull out the big tractor. Because the little one ain't getting a job done. And I said, and I'll get the big tractor out here. And I said, we'll start busting concrete. And we'll start busting hide and head and tearing the devil's hide up. Because the Bible said the Word of God is like a hammer. You hit sin hard enough. You hit these forces and powers of hell hard enough. I'm, you come down on them strong enough. That rock, that Word of God is going to break that spirit. It's going to break that force. It's going to break that power. Hallelujah. I've taken tents and put them up. And most time I'd go to places people didn't even know me. Dr. L.J. George and Sister Susie, nobody knew me. And, and, and a few people when I went 98, up there on what, 225 or whatever it was, didn't nobody know me. When I went downtown L.J., I had a few people might come, but I went back because God said go back. He said, I got somebody running around from meeting to meeting and house to house and church to church I, looking for a word. I, a young lady named Susie. I, he said, I've got her. I, I've got a hook in her jaw. I've got a hunger in her spirit. I, I've got something woke up in her I, and said, she's looking for the reality of God. I, said, you go and you preach my word. I, my God and I come. I, and I went many a time, Sister Pat, opened a tent meeting. I, a tent seat, 250, 300 people. 
people. I start out with four or five or a half a dozen I, and plow that word and walk them grounds all night and pray. I seek God's face. I come back and preach that word and preach that word. I heal the sick, cast out devils. I, people will receive miracles. I, in a week, ten days' time, two, three hundred. I be out there under that tent wanting I, something from God. I, where's our fight? Where's our drive? I, where's our determination I, to set our hearts I, to seek the face of God for something to change? Yeah, there's a force of hell on this nation. But are you wimpy? Are you got some backbone? Because I'm going to tell you something. You ain't getting nowhere without a fight. No, you ain't. You especially ain't going to get this. Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. And do what? Lay hold on what? That ain't salvation. You don't have to fight for salvation. You don't have to fight for repentance. You don't have to fight to get an altar and say, Lord, forgive my sins. But you want eternal life. You want something deep in God. You want something that's going to keep you and take you somewhere. You're going to fight the good fight of faith. You're going to arm yourself. Hallelujah. With the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. It's quick and powerful and sharper. And any two-edged sword. My God, a two-edged sword at that time was the worst weapon you get in a battle with. You knew how to swing that thing. You'd cut this way and you could bring it back and cut the other the way. Why? It's sharp on both edges. And a man knew how to use a two-edged sword. He was a formidable adversary. And he could take men down coming and going. Well, we've got a weapon. we got something that's sharper and more powerful than any two-edged sword. Any weapon has been formed. My God, this Word of God, it'll, it'll put it down. It'll drive the enemy back. It'll destroy the yokes. It'll break the power. But you got to know how to use it. got to learn how to use it. Don't go out here and try to use the Word of God being a novice. Don't go out here in battle trying to use the Word of God just being an armor bearer. You get yourself killed. But learn to fight, train. Amen. God's training us. God's getting us ready. God's equipping us. Hallelujah. I said, God's equipping us. And I'm ready for a move of God. I'm tired of seeing the enemy win. I'm going to be in Fort Payne next Wednesday night. I've been reaching out to people everywhere. Get in church, get in church, get in church, come to church. And I'd contacted somebody over there. We got a, a van at the church we don't use. We're trying to get it sold. And they worked at a car lot and they finally a couple of days well I don't work there no more but here's the man's number calling well what are you doing nothing just depressed so I started talking to him I said I remember 1988 89 90 I said you wore a walkman on your side you listened to preaching you listened to the word you was hungry for God you didn't miss a service what's happened to you well, I've been through this and I've been through that and I'm weary and I'm tired and this is happening. I said, ain't no excuse. I said, you need to let God revive you. 
I said, you get that meeting Wednesday night and I'm going to be praying God will set your soul on fire, revive you and renew you. I said, can't nobody love God like you did in the fervor and the zeal. I saw out of your life in the 80s. Can't nobody love God like that and God not have a purpose for him. God just don't drop this love and this visitation of his word in his spirit and people's lives for him to just go by the wayside. It's the enemy. The enemy's smart. He's wounded. Are you hearing me? You can take the word of God and you can use it two ways. You can either wound and destroy people or you can cut every tie that binds. And that word of God will destroy every yoke. It'll break the rock. It'll drive the force back. And man, I started wielding that sword. Next thing I know, I said, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'm coming. I'm expecting. I'm reaching out. Hallelujah. Why? Because this is a time that God is gathering together. I've got everything that's distressed, discouraged. I've got that's upset. Hallelujah. What's going on? They're looking for something real. I may not get to my scriptures today. It's all right, too. You know, when Saul finally drove David out of his presence, David fled from him. When they heard David was out there in the cave of Abdul, everybody that was distressed, everybody that was in debt, everybody was beat down, everybody that was upset with Saul's kingdom, came to him. And he took 400 distressed, discouraged, bound down men and turned them into a mighty fighting force. He did. Those are the ones right there that became David's mighty men. Then there was about 400 come to him at first. And he started training them. Started training them. Because David, after he killed Goliath, Saul brought him into his army. And it wasn't long that David was a warrior. I mean, David learned. David was a warrior. And David would, Saul would send him out into battle, and David would come back. And the women got to dancing in the streets and beating the tambourines and singing. Saul has slid his thousands, but David is ten thousands, and jealousy hit Saul's heart. But see, the people knew David. They knew he was the champion of Israel. And then when Saul drove him out, I, and I, I get so tickled sometimes, I said, you know, Saul was God's anointed, but he was chasing God's anointed. I said, sometimes I feel like David. I'm God's anointed, but I feel like I'm being chased by God's anointed. I ain't going to touch it. You hear me? I ain't going to touch it. I'm just going to obey God, deliver the word, build people on the kingdom of God, build them on prayer. Because I'm going to tell you what's going on right now. People are fixing to find out all this shouting, all this singing, all this good church. Everything's fixing to close in on people. And they ain't going to have nothing to pull them out. They ain't going to know how to pray. They ain't going to know how to seek God. They ain't going to know how to stand still and believe God's word and they're going to start coming to a word that can help them. I, I don't know if it'll be too late or not. I, you know the five foolish virgins, I, they didn't stock themselves up. I, and when it come time for that deliverance, when it come time I, to be joined to the Lord, I, they wasn't ready. I, I'm trying to get y'all ready. I, something fixing to happen. I, something fixing to happen in the Holy Ghost. I, there's fixing to be a baptism. I, they ain't gonna, I ain't talking about I, tongues and gifts and anointings. I, 
to help people. I'm talking about a baptism that's going to take you into his death. Hallelujah. That's going to give you victory over this carnal man and this carnal mind. And you're going to rise above sin and be an overcomer. We got to have some overcoming. We got to have some overcoming. Hallelujah. Jesus had to overcome his flesh. He had to overcome the world. He said he did. John 16, 33, he said, In the world you have tribulation, me you have peace. He said, But be of good cheer, I've what? Overcome the world? What's the world? 1 John 2. There ain't nothing in this world but what? Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. And he said, If you have the love of the world in your heart, the love of the Father ain't in there. So Jesus overcame the lust of the flesh. He overcame the lust of the eyes. He overcame the pride of life. <laughs> he said, I have overcome of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. He was our example to put this carnal man to death. He was our example. He taught us how. He taught us how to crucify ourselves. Name him one way to do it. That's get in prayer and let the mind and will of God take you over. Are y'all with me? I said, are y'all with me? Hallelujah. I ain't even got my Bible open good yet, and I think I didn't preach you a good word. <laughs> but I'm fixing to get in the Scripture if the Lord will let me. But it don't matter what this Word says. You've got to apply it to your life. You don't apply it, ain't no good. Amen? Ain't no good. People will go to the doctor... And geek diagnose whatever's wrong with them, and doctor will tell them what to do. They'll do it. Come to church. Preacher tell them what's wrong with them, tell them what to do. Ignore it. Absolutely ignore. Spiritual advice, wisdom, understanding. Absolutely ignore it. That's the reason the Bible said, be careful what you do with a novice. That's somebody that don't have any experience. Somebody young in the Lord. Be careful what you do. Be careful responsibility you give them. And I'm all for young people being used in the house of God. I'm all for educating, but let me tell you something. Ain't no church got any business letting young people preach to their people every week. Because <coughs> all you're going to do is breed a bunch of immature Christians because there's no word to feed them. If you don't have any experience, son, you can't preach to people. You can preach to them. But I want y'all to listen to something Sister Daniels told me and my wife, buddy. I mean, you talking about something at home. She said, you can preach the word to people, but you minister to them what you are. You minister to them where you are in your relationship with God. You can preach the word. But if you ain't never been through nothing, you ain't had no experience, you don't know how to wrestle the devil, you don't know how to fight the forces of hell, you don't know how to get in a storm and stand still and hold on to God's word. You can't tell nobody how to do it. I ministered to Sister Cat Quentin last night. God told her. He said, I'll put you right where you're at. He said, to show you this ain't nothing in your ability that's going to pull you out of this. This is going to be the Christ in you. It's going to give you the ability to come through this. So you can't rely. When you get in a storm, you can't rely on who you are. You can't rely on your... You can go back in the knowledge of your experiences... But it ain't you that's going to pull you through that storm. It's going to be the Christ. It's going to be the Christ. 
And when you finally realize that you're nothing without him, <laughs> but you can do all things with him, that's when God's going to move for you. But he ain't going to move till it's his time. Did y'all know that? He ain't going to move till it's time. They sent word to Jesus, said, he, Him whom thou lovest is sick. Come pray for him. Jesus stayed right where he was. He got word. He said, They said, What was it, Lord? He said, Lazarus is sick. Well, you going to go pray for him? No, not right now. <laughs> Waited for, what, six days? <coughs> Something like that. And he said, Let's go. Let's go see Lazarus. He said, He's sleeping. One of his disciples said, well, Lord, if he's sleeping, he's doing good. He said, let's go wake him from his sleep. He said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he's been sick, he's doing good, he's getting better. He said, he's dead. <laughs> he says he's dead. He said, but I'm going to go wake him up. <laughs> Got there and he <coughs> been dead four days. <coughs> you think Jesus didn't know that? Yeah. Sure he knew it. Now here come, I can't remember what's Mary or Martha, just a boo-hoo and fell down his feet. Oh, God, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. He said, Believest thou not, thy brother shall rise again. Oh, Lord, you had in the resurrection of the last days. I know he's going to rise again. He said, Let me tell you something. He said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He that believeth in me, though we were dead, yet shall he live, and he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. He talking about that soul ain't never going to die. That, that spiritual man ain't never going to die. There ain't going to be no spiritual death in him believes in me. Are y'all with me today? My God, I feel something walking up and down the aisles of this place. Did you get a report on how you doing? They tell you anything? Did you go back to the doctor? I went back. He ordered another scan. And the only uptake of the radiographic stuff was only in the So, it's going to be all right. I'm telling you, if I be a servant of the Lord, Sister Pat, it's going to be all right. Well, you call me and tell me, fear not. You don't got to fear. See, he told you, he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I'm telling you, God's with you and you're going to be all right. You take me at my word. As a servant of the Lord, you take me at my word. It's going to be all right. If I speak to you by this spirit, you just rest assured. My wife ain't seen it film going on 35 years. The Spirit of God speaks to me. It'll happen. It'll happen. You're going to be all right. You ain't going to have to have no surgery if you believe God. And I believe when they do that next scan, everything's going to be shrunk down. They ain't going to have to worry about it. I do. I'm believing God. I remember I prayed for a lady in Anderson, South Carolina in 93. They rolled her under my tent. She's in a wheelchair. And, you know, we have a ditch. We dig around the tent. Well, they put some boards across it. They rolled her in there in a the wheelchair, and that leg was propped up like that. And I was walking in miles and ministering. Man, the power of God was in that place. And I walked over to her. I knew her. I'd, I'd known her for years. I said, what happened to you? She says, I was in a car wreck. And she said, I've been in the hospital 30 days. And said, they've had that leg. And I guess traction. And said, there's seven or eight screws through that bone right there. <laughs> and she said, the last thing the doctor told me, said, don't stand on that leg. Don't you put no weight on it. And for God's sake, don't you try to walk on it. He said, you do that thing going to shatter. And he said, I want to come in here and do a whole, from your knee down, do a whole bone replacement and graft and try to get you. <laughs> she said, I was traction for 30 days. And they just let me out. And I told my husband, 
said, you take me that tent revival. I'm going to go hear Brother Matter preach. And I walked over there. Brother Donald, she's sitting there and had that thing propped up on that thing on that wheelchair. I said, you believe God? She said, I do. I said, you believe God will heal you? She said, I do. I said, when? She said, right now. I said, if you believe God, I'm going to pray the prayer of faith for you. Man, I slapped my hands on her, spoke the word of God to her. I didn't even wait to see. I didn't even wait to see. I said, if you believe, get up and walk. And I turned to head somebody else. The Lord done started to do my, I said, to cross the tent, man, everybody in the tent stood up, had about 150 people or so. Everybody stood up, started shouting and praising God. And I stopped, and everybody just screaming and hollering. And I looked, and here she come across the tent behind me like this. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm healed. Because they had that cast on her, you know, where she couldn't bend it. But, buddy, she's coming across that tent. Man, I mean, she was wide open. She come out of that wheelchair and come over there and she checked it. Man, there wasn't no pain, wasn't no stiffness, wasn't no soreness, wasn't nothing. And she went over and started to get back, sit down in that wheelchair. I said, don't sit down that thing. I said, I just got you out of it. <laughs> she sat down there in the chair. And her husband come to get her because he wouldn't come to church with her. Come to get her and she's sitting back there on the back row. Had her wheelchair sitting there by Beside her after church, she just waiting on him to come get her. He pulled up before he could get out of the truck. She took the wheelchair, folded it up, stepped across the ditch, throwed it up in the back of the pickup truck. <laughs> he said, my God, what happened to you? She said, God healed me. About a week later, she went back to the doctor. She went in there. He said, all right, let's x-ray you, see what's going on. X-rayed her. She waited about 30, 45 minutes. Doctor come in there and said, oh, I'm going to send you over to the ER. Said, something wrong with our x-ray machine. <laughs> so they sent her over there. They x-rayed her over there. They called the doctor and said, something ain't reading right. Said, we got the x-ray where you done the surgery. We, we got the x-ray where we released her. And said, we got the one now. Said, they just ain't lining up. So they sent her over to somewhere else they x-rayed that bone three times so she's there about four hours she's sitting in the doctor's office the doctor come in he had them x-rays where she got hurt had the x-rays where he performed surgery had all the screws in it the x-rays where they x-rayed her for they released her and then the x-rays that they'd taken three different times and he said i don't understand it she said what he said, the bone's there, the screws are there. He said, but there ain't no sign your bone's ever been broken. No sign at all. Nothing. He said, it ain't there. He said, woman, he said, I don't know what's keeping you from walking. He said, oh, you, she said, oh, you mean like this? She stood up and started walking around his office. He said, my God, what happened to you? She said, I went to a tent river dival four or five nights ago and said, this young brother prayed for me told me I was healed and said I got up and started walking I've been walking ever since and all the pain everything is gone they took the cast off she brought me the x-rays and gave them to me and I carried them around with me for several years showed people what God would do you can't limit God that's why I tell you believe believe it's like when God spoke to me whenever it was two weeks ago or last, whenever I prayed for you Spirit spoke to me I did just pray for you it's like the Spirit spoke to me and told me to pray for Him about that time of dedication. When the Spirit speaks to me, if you'll believe, there ain't nothing impossible with God. There ain't nothing impossible. Hallelujah.
Because when God speaks to me, if you'll believe it, it'll happen. You say you're that confident? I'm just that confident. I'm just that confident because I've done seen to do too many things. I believe him. Amen. I believe him. For I believe God that it shall be, even as it was told me. And God told me you're healed, you're healed. Amen. Is that all right? Y'all with me today? Let's look at Romans the sixth chapter. I don't know if I can get in this or not. Lord done crank my tractor and I'm plowing a row in a different direction. <laughs> so I don't know where God's gonna take us. Let's just do the first verse. Or let's just back up to verse chapter five and let's do the last verse, chapter five. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And Paul said, God forbid. Why do y'all think y'all got to continue in sin just so the grace of God will be given in abundance? Because you go back up to verse 20 in chapter 5, he said, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin aboundeth, grace does much more abound. So what are we going to do? Keep sinning so the grace of God will be given in more abundance? Paul said, no. God forbid that y'all would even think like that. God forbid that y'all would even think about staying in your sins and keep going in your sins just so God's favor and God's mercy could be shed on you. And, he, and then he, he made this statement, and it was a question. He said, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein. If we're dead to sin, why are we sinning? Is that what the Word says? If we're dead to sin, then why are we sinning? Why should we that are dead to sin keep abiding in sin? But we do. Not that we deliberately sin. Not that we want to sin. But this old carnal nature... Somewhere, if you don't, it'll mess you up. And when my carnal nature messes me up, I don't like myself. I ain't happy with myself. Because I believe there's an earnest, there's a measure of the Christ that lives right here. I believe that. I know it ain't the fullness, but I know there's a, you know, the earnest of the Spirit is a down payment. It's a measure. It's like you go and put down an earnest payment on a car. You might put down 15 20% on a house. That's what they call earnest. Right. So there Paul said there's an earnest of the Spirit that we've received. Well, that means if, if I've got 20%, i still got 80% to get the fullness of this thing. Right. And I ain't satisfied. Don't give me part of nothing. <laughs> I don't like having part of nothing, says Susie. If I want something, I want the whole thing. I don't want part of nothing. Amen. I want all of it. That's why these grocery stores, you go in them, they got samples. They'll have something smells so good and tastes so good. And they'll give you just a little bit. So you'll eat it and you'll get hooked and you'll go back and buy the whole thing. Well, I want the whole thing. Is that right? I want all God's got. So... Paul's talking to us here. And he says, if you're dead to sin, why 
Do you keep living in sin? Have y'all ever asked yourself that question? <laughs> uh oh. If it get messy around here. <laughs> y'all got your y'all got your knee boots on? We may have to get up to the hip boots. <laughs> know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. And I just noticed there I got something wrong in my notes because I was reading the original Greek and the original Greek reverses it sometimes. So I got Christ Jesus in my notes, and I've got in parentheses the resurrected man, so y'all have to mark that out. But anyway, know ye not that as many as us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were therefore, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we should all, even so we should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. He that is dead is freed from sin. Y'all see them scriptures? The church has taken this and preached it as water baptism. This is not water baptism. Y'all show me a pool that I can baptize you in that's going to destroy your sin nature, that's going to bury you and take you into the likeness of the death of Christ, and you're going to come up in the likeness of His resurrection, and I'll do a swan dive right in the middle of it and holler in the name of Jesus, here I come. What, did I hit a snag with y'all? Water can't change you. All water is is a confession of your conscience that Jesus Christ has washed your sins away. You don't get buried with Jesus in a watery grave. There ain't no scripture to back that up. Church taught that for years. There ain't no scripture to back it up. If you got some, show me. They don't back it up. And it says, if we be planted with him in the likeness of his death. Well, to understand that, you've got to understand what he went through in his death. I'm going to stop right there. Go with me to Philippians 3. Is it all right today if I just beat the devil severely about the head and shoulders? <laughs> Just wear his hide out. Is that all right? Philippians 3 and verse 9. And being found in him, not having mine own righteousness. Boy, when people get rid of their own righteousness and let Christ become their righteousness, we'll be a long way down the road. Which is of the law. But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. That I may know him... That word right there, know, means come to understanding and wisdom. That I may come to understanding and wisdom of him. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. 
Now, are y'all going to hang with me? Are y'all going to hang with me? Because Paul said, Paul had a great ministry. Paul could raise the dead. Paul could cast out devils. Paul had great miracles. But the Lord gave Paul a revelation of the mystery of the kingdom of God that even Peter made a statement and said, man, this stuff Paul writes, he said, our brother's hard to be understood. <laughs> and sometimes I get in this stuff, says Deborah, people don't understand where I'm going with it. And I'm try not trying to be contentious, but if you're going to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, then you've got to understand what he suffered. His sufferings wasn't just physical. Are y'all hearing me? His sufferings were not just physical. His soul suffered when he left that cross. Y'all hearing me? And I've never really got in and elaborated on this that much. But I want you to go with me to Psalms. Let me see where I need to be. I believe I'm going to... One sixteen. Y'all with me? Let's look at verse 1. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compass me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me, I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous, yea, our God is merciful, the Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountiful with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. And I believe, therefore, have I spoken, I was greatly afflicted. Now, I know some of you have heard me preach this. But Jesus was a man. He had a soul. Did y'all know that? He was born just like we were. He had a soul. Y'all with me? Don't get caught up in my notes now. I want you to listen to me preach. You can get caught up in my notes later. <laughs> Jesus was a man. He had a soul. Because Isaiah 53 in the 10th chapter, he said, When thou hast made his soul... An offering for sin. I don't know why it's so strange to people when you talk about Jesus hanging on that cross. And the word tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 that he that knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's what the word says. Pretty much. May not have it word for word, but that's pretty much. So, while Jesus was hanging on that cross, done going through all that physical suffering, here all the sins that had been rolled forward under the law was placed on him. When all them sins was placed on him, the Father turned his face 
turned his face from him. And that's why Jesus cried out, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabachthani, why hast thou forsaken me? You believe what the word says? It says, he, he that knew no sin became sin for us. Then if you believe that and you believe Jesus took the sins of the, the world or took the sins of humanity upon him, then you've got to believe what the word says. It says the wages of sin is death. Is that what the word says? And so because the church could never explain what happened to Jesus' soul when this happened, Because it wasn't too long after that, he said, it's finished. He finished the work the Father had seen him do on this earth. He became our example. Taught us how to live. Taught us how to overcome sin as a man. He was tempted in all points like as we are. If he was God, Bible tells you in James, God can't be tempted. And God don't tempt any man with evil. That's the word. But Jesus was tempted continually while he was on this earth by Satan. We only have the record of the temptation in the wilderness. He was tempted many times. There are many times the devil tried to mess him up, get him to fall. You don't know the temptations Jesus went through. All we have is that one record. Are y'all with me? And just before Jesus got ready to give up the ghost, he said, it is finished. It's finished. I've become the Lamb of God. I've took the sins of the world. I've come and I've, I've fulfilled your will. And then he said, Father, into thy hands I commend. That means he gave him control over his spirit. If he was going to leave that body and go straight to the Father, why did he commend his soul into the Father's hands? Because he knew where he was fixing to go. He knew for two and a half days he was fixing to be without the Father. He's fixing to be without power. He's fixing to be without authority of any kind over the devil. And he's going to be at the devil's mercy. I want y'all to use your minds. Don't look at me like that. Use your minds. He went to hell with our sins as a transgressor. He didn't go down there as a victor and preach a great revival. Everybody, the church wants to tell you he went down there for three days and three nights. He preached a great revival. No, he was only in the tomb two and a half days. The third day he rose again. There's all kind of scriptures that tell you, he said, I'll rise again the third day. I had a preacher tell me one time, he kept trying to tell me that Jesus was in the tomb three days and three nights. I said, if he'd been in the tomb three days and three nights, I said, he'd had to rose on the fourth day. No, you ain't figuring it right. <laughs> I finally just said, I said, man, we just going to agree to disagree. Because he's in there two days and two nights, he rises... They put him there Friday evening, Saturday, and he rises on Sunday morning, which is the first day of the week. That's going to be third day. And he said, I'll rise again third day. Many places in the Scriptures. Are y'all with me? But he didn't go down there and preach a revival. He went down there and paid for sins. Paid for sins. Was that the devil's mercy? Can you imagine how the devil tormented him? Can you imagine how the imps of hell tormented men? He said, he said, floods of ungodly men surrounded me. Can you imagine how them people jeered at him and ridiculed him? Say, yeah, son of God, what are you doing here? <laughs> Do 
You lived holy. You lived righteous. You lived a clean up right life. What are you doing here? I know I'm here for a reason. But what are you doing here? And the devil's come up and torment him. Well, you sent me here. You told me to go back to this place. You consigned me to this horrible place. Now you're right here with me. There wasn't nothing he could do. Nothing he could say. He didn't have no power. He didn't have no authority. He didn't have nothing. And he was at their mercy. The only thing Jesus could do was pray. Hold on to God's Word and believe that God was going to bring him out. You know what Jesus held on to? Thou will not leave my soul in hell, neither will I suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. Father, you're not going to leave me here long enough in this horrible place for my body to start rotting in that tomb. You can't do it. It's against your word. Your word is forever settled in heaven. It can't be broken. And the Bible said he cried unto the Lord in his distress. He held on to that word. And you know what brought him out? That word brought him out. That word brought him out. That word birthed him out. That word right there, that, that soul that was in there, when it was uh, when, it, when, it, when all these sins come off of him, uh, and the power of God entered into him in the resurrection of the Christ. Uh, now you listen to what I'm telling you. When it entered into him, uh, he wasn't reborn a soul. He was reborn a quickening spirit. He was the only one that was ever raised eternal, immortal, incorruptible, because he come out of hell. The Bible said he's the firstborn among many brethren, first begotten of the dead, firstborn out of hell, first and only one to ever be born of the spirit. That is what I call being born again. He took on the fullness and the nature of God. My God, that spirit come out of hell. He entered into that body and he ascended up to heaven after all that torment after all that affliction after all that mental language after everything he went to and you know why I'm preaching this you're going to have to know what he went through because you fix and go through some things you fix and go through some things and if you don't know what he went through and then he conquered and overcame it and by His Spirit that is living in us, we are now overcomers. We're being made more than conquerors. This Spirit of this Christ fixing to embody us and come into us, it's going to give us victory over every demon. Why? He defeated them. He defeated death. He defeated hell. And He took the keys away from it. See, you can say all you want to about the body and blood of Jesus. Yeah, it forgave our sins. But until he died that spiritual death, there was no way to destroy Satan's bondage that he held over man's soul. Because David, uh, the devil held the keys of hell and death. He held the keys of spiritual death because he took them from Adam. Adam gave them to him. Adam wasn't meant to die. When he disobeyed God, he handed Satan the keys of hell and death. Handed them to him. The devil didn't have to take them away from him. Adam handed them to him. But God, being a God of laws, being a God of principles, he had to find a way for a man to go down there and take the keys of hell and death away from the devil. And that's what Jesus done when his soul died spiritually. That's what he done. He took that spiritual death away. He took it. And now we don't fear. The Bible says in Hebrews 2.14 that all their lifetime men feared that bondage. But it said Jesus came through death, through spiritual death, and destroyed the devil. He destroyed him. 
He destroyed him. Satan has no power to a believer. He has no power whatsoever to a believer. You don't have fear of spiritual death. You don't have fear of bondage. You don't have fear of the devil. The Bible says in Colossians 2 that he triumphed over him openly. You ever read that? You know where he done it? Stood right in the middle of hell. <laughs> Stood right in the middle of hell, Brother Justin. And when all that last sin come off of him and all them demons around him tormenting him and him just there meek, couldn't say nothing, couldn't do nothing. But when that last sin was paid for, that resurrected life of Christ entered into him and he stood up. He walked over to Satan. Said, put him right there. Devil said, what do you want? He said, I want the keys of death and hell. The keys you took from my brother Adam. Because Adam was the son of God too. He said, put him right there, boy. Put him right there. I've conquered you. I've defeated you. I've triumphed over you openly. Right in the middle of hell. You and all your imps. i got authority over you now. Give me them keys. And he took them and he ascended. Went right back into that body laying in that tomb. And because of what he was, that body was raised immortal, uncorruptible, and eternal. And then he ascended to the Father. Walked right into the temple in the heavens. Took his blood and rubbed it on that mercy seat. And obtained eternal salvation and redemption for me and you. Taking total control. Taking total control. And he's only got to do it. He only did it one time. Ain't got to be done again. Ain't got to be done again. See, Satan's forever destroyed and he's forever conquered. But you've got to believe that. And you've got to understand that for those two and a half days... If he had not held on to God's word, if he had not fought, if he had not prayed and believed, he could have been eternally lost. If he'd ever one time give up and lost hope, the devil could have taken his soul and he'd have never, never been resurrected. But when he said, Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption, he said, Because this was spoken by David the prophet, he said, My flesh shall rest in hope because <laughs> I know my God can't break that word he can't break that word and he couldn't and he raised him but the afflictions the torments the suffering the sorrows of hell the pains of death that got hold of him they were there to destroy him they want, the devil wanted to destroy him can you imagine the devil's delight when the soul of Jesus walked through the gates of hell and him laddened with the sins of man. And the devil said, I got you. <laughs> I got you, man. You're mine now. And he was for two and a half days. When Jesus was in the garden praying, the Bible said in Luke 24, I believe it is, said he was in an agony and he prayed earnestly. Till his sweat became as great drops of blood and an angel come and ministered to him. You know what he was praying? You know what he was wrestling with? He wasn't worried about the cross. He wasn't worried about the beating. He wasn't worried about the physical suffering. He was worried he was going to be in hell without any power, without any authority, without the presence of the Father. That's what he was worried about. That he had no control over his situation. Jesus had never been without control. He always had his Father with him. But here his father wasn't with him. So he prayed. 
The Bible says in Hebrews 5, who in the days of his flesh lifted up strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death. Not the physical death. Wasn't worried about it. Save him from that spiritual death. And that he what? He feared. He was afraid. Even when he was there, he was afraid. But he took hold of that word. As he's conquered, as he's overcome, we can overcome. There ain't nothing the devil can bring your way you can't overcome if you'll latch hold of the word and the working of the Spirit of God and believe it. There ain't nothing you can't overcome. That's why I got this confidence in him. He's given, he's given us this victory. Man, I've had the devil torment me here for about the last month that I'm fixing to lose everything financially I got. Everything in this world I got. We don't like that much having our house paid off. The devil's tormenting me. I'm fixing to lose everything. I said, devil, one thing about it. I said, I started with nothing. Didn't we, baby? Started an old beat-up pickup truck and a wore-out travel trailer and a wore-out tent. <laughs> I did you talk about poor. Now she got introduced to a brand new world. But I knew what it was to do without. And I did without. But when I got married, the Lord told me, he said, hey, you can sleep in the car, you can sleep in the truck, you can sleep on the ground. I said, she can't do that. He said, so you change your mindset. You may go somewhere in a revival and sleep on a church bench. And I did for years. I hitchhiked. Because I didn't have transportation. There's time I didn't have transportation. That truck I had when we got married, man, gave it to me in one of my meetings because I was, I was hitchhiking. Having a tent meeting, packing out a tent meeting, casting out devils, praying for folks blind, deaf, and dumb, God healing them. I was hitchhiking. <laughs> and that man brought that truck and gave it to me. Last day of the meeting, he brought that. I had about a big toolbox in it. It had about five or six drawers in it. Just packed with tools. He gave me that in the toolbox. Probably worse. Tools probably worse more than the truck was. <laughs> but God moved for me. It wasn't what I wanted. I wanted something a lot nicer. But I ain't never worried about God taking care of me. He may not give me what I want, but he's going to give me what I need. And then if I'm faithful, he can bless you with good stuff. Amen. He can bless you with good stuff. But mine, I want that conquering. I want that authority. I want that dominion. And the reason I'm telling y'all this, we're going to suffer some things. You're going to suffer the afflictions of Christ. Things that he went through in hell, torments he went through in his mind, mental anguish he went through. You're going to suffer some of these things. But because he's going to come live in you, you're going to understand he conquered and overcame them. Amen. This is overcoming faith. This is overcoming victory. This is, this, all this. And I remember when the Lord told me, he said, the tribulation we're going into, this period of tribulation, he said, this is the sufferings of Christ. It's going to bring us to the perfection and the maturity. So God's taking us somewhere. Amen. But you've got to be willing to go. Everybody don't want to fight for the faith. Everybody don't want to suffer. Everybody don't want to go through things. But everybody ain't kingdom material either. <laughs> God's just got chosen people that's chosen for this kingdom. There ain't nothing I can do about it. There's people that are ordained unto eternal life. 
And the Bible says as many as are, are ordained unto eternal life. And that book of Acts moved, but God got them. We fix to see them move. God's fixing to get people. He's bringing this kingdom in. Get ready. You appreciate the word today? Amen. You appreciate the working of God's spirit? I do. Let's go to prayer and let's ask God to put this in our spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, let it be, Lord, that the very reasoning and understanding of this word can be hid in people's hearts. Lord, I don't know why you put this in my spirit. I don't know why you opened my understanding to this. But if you give me of your mercy and your grace and your wisdom and give me the physical strength and you'll mature me and bring me forward, God, I'll do my best to preach this word and try to help people to see and understand this mystery that you've placed in my life. I know you're working something in your people here, Lord. I know you are. And I know there's fixing to be a visitation of your spirit that's going to baptize us into the, your death. And God, give us total victory over this carnal man. I ask your blessings upon this word. And that our understanding be open to these scriptures. Let your will be done, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. I appreciate the Lord for this service. I really do. Because, you know, it's back the first, first of the year, second day of January, the Lord spoke to me about being baptized into his death. There's different baptism that's going to baptize you into the death of the Christ. It's different than the Holy Ghost. It's different. Because I don't care how many years. See, I'm fixing to be 64 years old. Just, Pat, I've been raised in Pentecost. My daddy was preaching when I was born. I've seen healings. I've seen gifts. I've seen miracles. I've seen people used in the gifts. I've seen prophecy come to pass. But I've never seen anybody get the power to overcome this sin nature. It always creeps back up. Always slides back. You think you got it killed? Next thing you know is it done knocked you flat of your back. <laughs> done snuck up on you. And I ain't one like to be snuck up on. Don't sneak up on me, I'll hurt you. <laughs> don't scare me. Don't sneak up on me and scare me. I'll put your lights out. <laughs> Just don't reflex. When I got out of high school, I got me an apartment because I was working in Nashville and the good friend of mine, I come out of the door of my apartment one night, he thought he was going to be smart and scare me. He was waiting for me to come out where I come out, I turned my back and locked my door, and when I did he jumped out and hollered at me in about a half a second, I had him pinned against the wall with my arm across his throat ready to pop him right between the eyes and I realized who it was. I said, don't scare me. My reflexes, it's, it was reflex. Because I had a good friend who was third degree black belt in karate and, and he started teaching me karate and we used to we used to spar together. And he taught me how to take care of myself. And you sneak up on me and scare me without thinking. <laughs> it was just reflex. Now I probably ain't that quick anymore, but back then I was a lean, mean fighting machine because I wasn't saved. Thank God he got a hold of me when he did. <laughs> Amen. How many of y'all thank God God got you when he did? Ain't no telling where we'd be. I know where I'd be. I'd be dead in hell if God hadn't got me when he got me. 
Ain't no doubt in my mind. I know God redeemed me. I know He saved me. And I know He's put this Word in me. And I'm going to keep planting this Word and planting this Word and planting this Word and planting this Word. And something going to come up. This kingdom going to come up. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you love Him? Yes. Will you give Him a great big praise? Hey. I appreciate this service. Hallelujah. And, oh, I don't usually ask for a prayer, but if anybody needs prayer today, I'll pray the prayer of faith for you. I tell you, I just feel God's goodness today. I'm excited about what God's doing. And I, I just, I ask y'all to pray for me physically. Uh, there's there for a while, man. I hit a streak. I was working, going, doing, but it's like something's happening. My physical energy's bottomed out again. I don't know what the enemy's trying to do. Or what the God's just trying to slow me down. You know, if he's trying to slow me down, I'm trying to listen. <laughs> but y'all keep us in your prayers. Because i got to go to Alabama Tuesday and, and take care of some stuff for Mama and some stuff for the church down there. And then I'm preaching Wednesday night in Fort Payne. I'm going down preaching for my good brother, Brother Mark Walter, in Jasper, Alabama. He calls me every so often and wants me to come. I was going there every month before this stuff hit me. And then I just had, but he'll call me every so often and say, Man of God, we need you to come. Always showing me respect. I appreciate that, man. He's an African-American brother, but I love him like a brother. I don't know if you've ever met him or not, says Susie. He's come to Fort Payne preached several times. You know, people talking about prejudice. Let me tell you something. If I was prejudiced, I wouldn't have Brother Lonzo Cromer come minister at my church. I wouldn't have Brother Mark Walter come in. Ain't prejudice. I ain't, ain't no, there ain't no prejudice in me. I don't like people's attitudes sometimes. And the spirit people manifest, but I ain't prejudiced against nobody because God made us all. And you didn't have no choice what color God made your skin. And you didn't have no choice where you was born. And I'm going to tell you, I've been over to India, seen the poverty and the hardness and everything. And buddy, I come back, when I went to Honduras in 82, just before me and Lisa got married, you had to get out on the plane on the tarmac back then. They had them steps rolled up the plane, you'd come down, and you would walk to the terminal. I went to Honduras, see how poor them people was. Preach them people in banana groves with generators and watch them women down there have one water pump, fed their families, cleaned their families, bathed their families. I'd have one water pump in the center of the village and they were clean, they were neat. They lived in grass huts, cooked on stone fireplaces. I got off that plane in New Orleans, got down on my knees and I kissed the ground. I said, thank you God for letting me be in the morning in a nation like America. Not that I'm too good to live like that. But I said, thank God that he's given us these privileges. And he's been good to us. If we ain't careful, we're fixing to lose them. The devil's trying to take them away. I'm telling you, he's trying to take them away. But you ask my wife, she'll tell you back in the, I think it was 88, the Lord spoke to me and I prophesied. And I said, the spirit of the 60s is coming back to America. I said, the racial unrest is coming. The civil disobedience is coming. The rebellion of the young generation is coming. The clothes, the music, you can see it. The clothes is back. The jewelry, the music, the peace signs, the same attitude. Not wanting to work, wanting the government to keep them up. Yeah. Same spirit. Same spirit. But I spoke it in your house 
I saw people go to war with each other in the streets and start shooting at each other and having gun battles. I'm talking about minorities. I saw minorities, not out in the streets race ride, but I saw, like on social media, they gather 40, 50, 60, and they would go into neighborhoods and just start killing people. And the Lord told me when they did, they would outlaw guns and the sale of ammunition and take away our Second Amendment rights, try to put this violence down because government's out of control. They shouldn't have never let this nation got the place where they can have all. I mean, 50, 60 people a week can get killed in Chicago. Now, why would you let that kind of stuff go on? Why would you not hunt them people down and stop that mess? We're out of control. But you take God out of the equation, that's what you're going to get. The wicked in any nation that forgets God going to be turned into hell. And that's where our nation's going. God ain't going to bless this nation. He will bless the righteous. He will bless the righteous. But we got to keep sin out of the camp. Amen. We got to keep sin out of the camp. That's why I preach as hard as I do and I raise up the standard I raise up. I don't want sin in God's people's lives. Because you got a ministry out there now. They're adulterers. They're fornicators. They're sorcerers. They're working by witchcraft. They're working by soothsaying spirits. I don't want no part of it. And God's separating. <laughs> God's peeling the layers off. He's trying to get down to the pure. Does anybody need prayer? If you don't, I'm fixing to change the order of the service. I've enjoyed this service today. Have y'all enjoyed this service today? Please pray for my strength. Because like I said, I gotta, I'm going to be on the road and be preaching. And Man, I want my strength back. I'm a doer. I'm a goer. I'm a go-getter. I used to run 14, 15, 16 hours a day. And man, I do good now if I got four or five good hours in me. And then I just, pew, I just crash. I need God to change this. I need God to change me to accept it. <laughs> One of the two. Amen. You love him? Hallelujah. I'm going to go ahead and receive the offering. And all I can ask you is do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. Honor God with your tithe. Honor God with offering. If you got something you can help us with, please do so. Because all I can tell you is we need your help. Church needs your help. We need your help. And I'm going to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. And if God wants the business to go up here, He'll work it out somewhere. But I'm not going to spend time. I could be praying and seeking God, trying to get out here and get a business started. I'm just not going to do it. I don't care what we got to do. God knows and God's got this whole thing under control. Amen. Amen. He's got it under control. So if you don't mind, stand and come. You got something for the church? It's on this side. You got something you want to help us with? Put it over here in the pasture bucket. But come on, do what's right. Thank you, Jesus. I know God is good. Amen. Brother, it's good to see you. Appreciate you. Appreciate y'all coming, really do. Appreciate y'all coming. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, man. I love you. Woo. Boy, God laid one on you. Man, you could feel the witness of that thing. <laughs> I don't know why I started saying it, but I've been telling people late the Spirit of God hits me, and I said, boy, that thing will crank your tractor. <laughs> Bless you, sister. Appreciate you. My mother-in-law got hurt the other day. She fell and 
hit her knee, the one she just had got over that accident. And she called Lisa and we went over and she's sitting there in a the chair outside in the breezeway. And she had that leg propped up. And I just laid hands on it, spoke the word of God to her. Man, when I did, that thing hit me. By the time my daddy-in-law come out of the house, and he don't believe like we do, but that thing hit me, and I had to turn and walk away. That thing was on me so strong. Because, I mean, it's just like something rose up in my spirit. That thing got a hold of me. Man, ain't no telling what I was fixing to do. Because <laughs> when this thing gets a hold of me, I yield to it. I let it take control. And that's what we got to start doing. You know, we'll feel the Spirit of God when we're out in public and we'll kind of push it down. I somewhere as me and my wife and two or three others was in a restaurant, we was getting ready to eat. They brought the meal and they asked me to pray. And I bowed my head and I bowed my head. I felt the Spirit of God well up in me. <laughs> I felt tears start coming up my eyes. And I started praying. I looked over at my wife. I said, uh, I said, somebody else better do this. I said, because it don't. I said, we fixing to rock the house. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. And I think she said, duh. She looked over at somebody and said, y'all better, y'all better say blessing. Said, he just, huh? He said, he just in one of them moods. I said, my, what she calls my God zone. <laughs> Not feeling him. Hallelujah. You love him? Let's ask God bless this offering. Father, in the name of Jesus, overshadow it. God, keep us, direct us, bless this offering, God. Bless the givers, bless the hearts of your people. And God, move and meet the needs. God, you have means we don't know. We give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Love y'all. Look forward to And if any of y'all want to come pray, most of you got a key to the church. If you don't, we'll get you one. I don't know when I'm going. I won't be here this week unless I get in Friday or Saturday. She'll be here praying. So if y'all want to come pray with her, get up with her. I don't know what she's going to do, when she's going to come pray. So y'all just get up with her. But I do love you, and I'm fighting for you. Fight for me. Let's fight for this kingdom. Fight for this church. Because I know what God wants to do here. He's done revealed his will. But he told us at the beginning of the year, set our hearts to get baptized into the Christ and to pray for the leadership ministry to come forth. People don't know what to do now. Churches don't have any leadership. Preachers don't have any leadership. We need five, the fivefold ministry. We need leadership. Amen. God bless you. I love you. As far as I'm considered, you're dismissed. Shake hands one another. Give them the right hand of fellowship and take them to level. God bless you.